Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I'm your coach, Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. And on today's episode, we have a very interesting skating coach, Mr. Christian Grunna of GPS. And with me today, as always, my co-host. Co-host Danny Heath of Project Hockey and super excited about this one. Just the idea of like, I mean, this guy, you can tell he loves the game, right? And he's like super into the details and, and one of those just being mobility and the idea of like, just how important that is. And it's something that like, I didn't even know was a thing until I was well past playing hockey. And so if you think of the idea, like, and I, I know I'm kind of rambling on here for a second, it's the intro, but the idea that like, if, if kids can get into this and learn about their bodies, learn about mobility at, at such a young age, I. I don't know if Gretzky's records will ever be touched, but I think we're going to have some pretty cool hockey to watch down the road. So it's uh, this is exciting, and I, I'm excited about this one. Coach, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right, Danny. The, the thing with Christian that really intrigues me is kind of like he has such a different background than a lot of people, and he takes that background, you know, because he studied in, you know, playing hockey. He grew up speed, you know, from a speed skating family, had some experience figure skating and playing hockey, and then, you know, from his dance and ballet and body motion control in Europe and in Russia like you guys he's got a very different background than your average coach and and I like that and I think that you know what he's talking about is a lot of this this body control and an edge control and how that can translate into um, not only skating but hockey is, is a cool thing and so I, I think it's a pretty uh, interesting interview and um, I hope everybody enjoys it I think I think he touches on a lot of really cool specifics on, on edge work and and kind of what his philosophy is for teaching, you know, high-level skaters these days. Because you know, Danny, you and I agree: if you can't skate, you can't play. Can't skate, can't play. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, and uh, just see it. Like I've got a lot of feedback on our podcast recently that they love that our intros aren't a year long. <laughs> um, and so people people click on this stuff because they want to listen to the guests. Um, yeah, they don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about Vinny. These are the guests. It's all about the guests. I love it. But yeah, I'm ready to jump into this one, coach, unless you got any uh, final thoughts before the big show. Nope. I think let's let's jump right into it. Let's get a Danny. Give us give us a good fired up. Let's go to get us fired into here. Let's do it. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. With us today, we our guest, he's originally hailing from Chicago, Illinois. He played his hockey at Shattuck St. Mary's in Faribault, Minnesota, graduating in 05. After Shattuck, he went on to Skidmore and then went on to receive a master's degree from Harvard University. While at Harvard, he studied and did a residency at the Moscow Art 
theater in Russia, studying ensemble acrobatic and movement training techniques similar to those used by the famous Red Army hockey program. Since then, he's been coaching multiple levels of youth hockey across the Chicagoland area, Dallas area, and in the UK, while also being a sought-after power skating instructor for such programs as Pro Ambitions Hockey, Jeremy Roenick Hockey School, the Chicago Young Americans, and the Windy City Storm AAA program. He's currently the owner and head instructor of GPS Power Skating and Hockey School based in Chicago, Illinois, and Duluth, Minnesota. Christian Grena, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. How's it going today, buddy? Awesome. Thank you, Pete. Very, uh, very appreciative and excited to be on. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, the pleasure's mine. I'm excited to have you on here. I, uh, you know, you and I have kind of loosely known each other for a while now. We've, we've, yep. we've talked before, we've had some conversations, some messages back and forth, and, and, you know, we're going to jump on the ice here this summer together with some plans. Yeah, we're going to talk about that maybe at the end, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to dive into your background because I think you have a really, you know, unique and interesting background and that's, you know, that's, on top of, I think being a good, a good dude who knows what he's doing on the ice. I think just sharing your background and how different it is from a lot of, a lot of hockey folks. Uh, I'm excited to dive into it and learn more about it myself. So, um, with that, I think, why don't you, why don't we start kind of at the beginning? Why don't you give us a little insight into like how you first got hooked on hockey, like how you first got into the rink and, and what brought you to the game and, and what's some of your earlier memories there? Yeah, for sure. No, the thanks Pete. Yeah. So, uh, my dad was a speed skater. Right. So we, we kind of had that in the system in the family already. His, his grandfather, not my grandfather, but his grandfather uh, was a speed skater as well. Um, he was, he's Swedish. So he came over from Sweden and um, that was, that was a big part of kind of our, our, uh, our family growing up. And uh, you know, before I get to it, but my, my dad threw me on skates pretty early, not super early, like I think five, I think five. Um, so not like, you know, baby, baby. Uh, like I've thrown my, my, one, my older girl, I threw on, we threw on the ice 16 months. We we're like, here you go. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so at five years old, uh, started uh, on the ice here in uh, Chicago suburbs in Glenview actually. Um, and uh, yeah, man, it just took it off from there. Uh, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. So I uh, lived in New York city or just outside New York city for a bit. So got to play uh, a little bit of hockey on Long Island. Uh, then we moved down to Texas. So I had to play some hockey in Texas, which at that time, right, this is like mid late nineties. Um, hockey was just getting going out there. Um, stars were, were starting to be a thing. And, uh, and they actually won a Stanley cup when I, when I was like in middle school or, or just started to be in high school. So uh, hockey was kind of just starting to be a thing down there. And, and I had to actually play roller hockey for a bit, which was, that was an interesting transition for me. I didn't love it. But uh, it probably had some some impacts on that, you know, I wasn't aware of at the time uh, that, uh, you know, skating wise, uh, maybe puck handling wise, that kind of influenced what I was doing, playing, but also I think eventually coaching as well and how I think about the game. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then I had the opportunity to play at Shattuck St. Mary's just for two years, uh, my junior and senior year, uh, which was great. I, I really wish I had gone all four years. It's an excellent school, amazing program, had nothing but uh, good experiences there, both academically and, and hockey wise. It's, uh, it's obviously, uh, again, that's a while ago now, 2005 is, <laughs> it's not a short time ago now. Yeah. Uh, time flies, right. Time flies, but, uh, but yeah, made some great friends and, and the program is now just an absolute beast. And it was, it was when I, when I was there, it was really starting to gain that reputation of, of the place to go play hockey. And, 
very fortunate to to play there. And then from from there, I I went to go play Division three hockey, but I had to stop really quickly. I got a back injury um, my senior year at Shattuck that wouldn't go away. Uh, that kept me off the ice quite a bit, and I had to make a tough decision to step away from the game. Uh, I was actually pretty bitter about it. I was I was <laughs> kind of disenchanted and. Um, I, I thought I, I maybe wouldn't even really play at all ever again. So I stopped playing for, for several years and maybe would get on the ice like here and there just to, you know, keep it kind of fresh and try to try to enjoy it a bit. But then, uh, yeah, then I went to grad school and at grad school, uh, got the chance to, uh, to study in Russia. And when I was in Russia, uh, we did some stuff that, uh, because I had kind of studied up on the red army team before time, before going over there. And, uh, and while I was there, recognizing that a lot of the training that we were doing uh, for this acting program that I was a part of uh, was analogous to what the Red Army team was doing, which was incredible, right? I mean, that's years and years ahead of this, um, of what, uh, when I went. And uh, yeah, so that experience kind of got me excited to get back into the game, uh, coaching-wise. So when I got back and finished with my master's, uh, I wanted to coach again. And uh, it just kind of like snowballed, steamrolled from there. And I, I started doing power skating for, uh, as you mentioned, P, uh, Prohibitions, right? They're based on the East Coast. I started doing stuff for them. And then uh, just a few years ago, I think three years ago, three and a half years ago, I started my own stuff here based in Chicago. We do stuff in Minnesota and kind of all over the place too. But, uh, but yeah, it's, that's that's the kind of discovery huh? right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's the path. Well, yeah. that's awesome. So that's, that's, that's why I'm excited to have you on here. Cause I think that, you know, there's so many different paths in hockey. There's so many different backgrounds. And I think that, uh, you have kind of a unique one because you, you touched on, you know, not only the Russia part, but the, you touched on the, the speed skating. And, and I read somewhere, maybe you had a little bit of history and in, in figure skating as well. Yeah. My wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about the speed skating. You mentioned your dad's a speed was a speed skater and yeah. that's how you first got into skating. Like touch on that. And then like your experience in, in speed skating and, and then how that, like, at what point did you transfer into hockey? Yeah. So he, so I, we always joke and I actually never, I, I, he never put me in speed skates and I like, I kick him a hundred times and like that. <laughs> oh, I would have been a better speed skater. Right. Cause I'm not a big guy. I'm, I'm a small guy. And that was one of the things that held me back. I could never gain weight. Um, I was, I'm, I'm short, but you know, there's plenty of short players nowadays, but guys who can actually put on some pounds and, uh, I was always just way underweight, uh, for the game. And, uh, yeah, I kick him a million times. Like you should have put me in the long plates, not the short ones. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, he put me in hockey right away. Cause he actually, when, when he was a kid, um, same thing, his, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't put him in speed skates to begin with. They put him in hockey skates and he was like the fastest kid on the ice. And, they said, well, you know, your, your grandfather's a speed skater, go speed skate. And he did. And uh, so he taught me the principles of speed skating in hockey skates, right? So, like, I had all those those techniques, the, the weight transfer principles and, and the way that, that he learned them from speed skating. And was he, was he an Olympian? Was, did he, he, was, he, he did not go to the Olympic trials because he decided he was going to be done. He, he had won a national two or three national championships um in his uh his races like his heats um he was mostly short track and at that time which was like the mid late 80s they um or excuse me uh early yeah basically 80 84 right you know when the when the uh the miracle team and all that stuff was going on 
he decided he wanted to be done with speed skating. He had done so much of it as a kid. He was like, yeah, I want to try something new. And he got into, he got into auto racing and I've done a little <laughs> bit of that too. So we're just speed, 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 right? We, oh, funny. we, we can't get enough of it. So, um, so yeah, he so competed. He, I mean, it wasn't just like a recreational speed skating guy. No. Like he, he competed at, at the higher levels and, and exactly. translated that knowledge into, into sign up your, your yeah. skating techniques then. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, so he taught me a bunch of stuff that, that the kids around me were just, they weren't learning. Right. And, uh, I was probably nine times out of 10, the fastest guy on the ice, which, uh, at some point it would, it would kind of catch up to, with me. I never, <laughs> I didn't work on my hands enough when I was a kid because <laughs> I didn't need to, cause I was always the first kid of the puck, but, um, but yeah, so, so I had that. And then, uh, the figure skating side of it, I, I met my wife, uh, shortly after finishing grad school and, uh, yeah, I just like, she, she was a, a successful figure skater as well. And, um, I just, I asked her, I said, Hey, like, you know, I'm trying to get back into coaching. Like, what are, what are some of these techniques that like, you know, I, I, I didn't know until I met her, right. Like transitional edges outside to inside, inside to outside the stuff that, you know, you see figure skating coaches work on with hockey players and that, you know, they kind of brought into our game years and years ago that, you know, before the game is, uh, was what it is now with guys being able to just skate beautifully and lightning fast and and it's so smooth and 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 quick nowadays you know uh we can thank people like laura stam and other figure skaters for for bringing all that stuff to our game and and now right um guys like me who have kind of soaked it up from different spots like uh i've just tried to encapsulate all these different ways of of moving on the ice into my training so yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, uh, you, you mentioned you started, uh, speed skating or, or like your dad was speed skating in, uh, in Glenview. So I yeah. grew up, I grew up North of Chicago and playing my hockey up mostly in Barrington. And well, uh, I told you he's, he graduated Barrington high school. So you yeah, know. that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I think, right. <laughs> exactly. So my mom, like, so I, you know, I've, I'm the oldest of four boys. I got three younger brothers. All of us grew up playing hockey. My mom hated it. Right. Like she always like she loved it up oh, until the really point. loves it. Right. Yeah. She it's like she love loved game. it up until the yeah. point, like in peewees when we started hitting, like now hitting's in bantams. But back then hitting was in pee is in uh, um, peewees and she hated it. Like, and so every year at tryouts, she would uh, she, every year tryouts, she would try to get me to quit hockey. And she would try to bribe my brothers and I so much about quitting hockey and taking up speed skating. Yeah. She didn't want, us to she didn't do want you guys to have contact. Didn't want you to get hit. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So every year is a big, a big battle in our house of our mom saying you should quit hockey and take up speed skating. And us saying, uh, that's not going to happen, mom. But uh, no. so I know that, I know that rink cause she would like take us there and show us the speed skaters and stuff. So I love it. I love it. Dude, that's <laughs> awesome. That's yeah. so cool. Kind of funny, kind of funny. So, um, well let's, let's jump ahead then. So you, you have your background in speed skating you learned a little bit of edge work from your wife and figure skating, you know, you have the hockey background, you played hockey yourself. So, um, you know, like what, what kind of, from a player perspective, like what kind of, you, you mentioned being fast on the ice and, and that's kind of, this is before we jump into the Russia and training movements. So yeah, yeah. I want to talk about like, you know, like what are some of your concepts of translating those, um, the knowledge or education you've had from speed skating and figure skating, how did that translate into you or what you're doing now with other kids from like an edge control or, or power generation standpoint? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so if we go back to like when I was playing, so um, one of the things now that's the toughest thing to hear is like when parents, you know, they come to me and they're like, Oh, you know, my kid's stride is really tough. It's really brutal. You know, he's, he's not, 
he's not getting enough push out of it, or he's not low enough. And, you know, you could, you can diagnose it a million different ways. And uh, I, myself, like, even though my dad was, was what he was and he, and he taught me, I was, I really struggled with, um, with getting a really proper stride down until I kind of hit puberty, right. Until I was probably like 13, 14. So, um, you know, I tell parents all the time, like it's, it's a, it's a process, right. And, and every kid goes through it in, in a different way and, and, and different timing. So when I was real young, right, my feet were super quick, right. I would have nice short, short choppy strides. I, I was always the quickest guy to the puck. So puck drops face off. I'm there. I'm on the puck super fast. And that in some ways was not a detriment to me, but uh, you know, it's like once, once a player finds they're good at something, right. They're going to keep doing that something until someone tells them, Hey, you also need to do this or you need to add this to your game or change that because right now that's all you're doing. Right. So um, I was super quick and the quickness was great, but at some point I needed to smooth it out. And until I was kind of like in my body, uh, I had gone through, you know, that, that uh, transition of, of young man to, or excuse me, boy to young man, right. Uh, through puberty, I, I hadn't really found that full stride, but all those techniques that my, my dad had passed down, this, the weight transfer principles um, across the hips, right. Uh, the, the movement is lateral, right? And if you watch uh, a speed skater stride versus a hockey stride, obviously it's exaggerated, right? The blade is almost twice as long. There's very little to no rocker on those skates. There's one edge versus two edges. The boot is really very, very different. Um, but the thing that, that I took that so many other players weren't taking is, again, this side to side, this lateral movement rolling through the edge, and, and making sure that the angle of the push is correct. And that's really like the meat and um, bones of, of skating technique for where it starts with meat. If you're not getting the angles right from hip to heel, from uh, where the blade meets the ice through the push, right, from each stride, you're, you're going to keep missing power opportunities and you're going to be wasting energy, right? So your efficiency is going to be down, right? So I had the quickness right, to start, but I just had to hammer out the efficiency part um, as I got older. And that was something that, like, um, when I got back into coaching, was super, super important to me. So I, I went back and I studied it. I asked my dad some questions um, and I said, you know, it's like, what what were the were the most important things? And, and, you know, he said, it's like, when you can load up a single leg with 100% of your weight, right? Because if you watch a hockey stride, you watch it in slow motion, the longer you can hold that edge in the push, the more power you're going to get out of it, right? It's like, just like when we walk, we don't walk two feet at a time, right? We're not kangaroos, we're not frogs, we don't hop down the street, right? We walk one at a time. And it seems obvious, right? But when a kid is skating, right, they're not really thinking about it that way. And the more you can, like I said, the more weight you can place over that leg and get the bite through that edge properly, right, from hip to heel all the way through the stride and transfer the weight from the back of the foot to the front of the foot, right, through the full stride, the more power you're going to have. And those, those uh, techniques were instilled in me very, very early so that I wasn't wasting that energy. I wasn't going on the ice and, and just chopping it up just like, you know, 30 seconds and you're, and you're toast, right, and understanding where to use your stride, right, um, just like different gears, in a car, right? Not, not very many of us uh, drive manual <laughs> drive shift cars anymore, but um, 
you know, with a little bit, again, of, of some auto racing background as well. It's like you have different gears, you know, in your skating as well. So um, thinking about, you know, what coach doesn't talk about, especially scouting, like, oh, first three steps, right? We all, we all talk about it because in hockey, right, transitional speed and, and speed off of a, of a standstill or a stop is really what's most important, right? Breakaway speed is great and full ice speed is fantastic, but the majority of the game is played in short bursts and short areas, right? Small areas, right? So those guys that have those first three uh, steps, you know, three to four steps and understanding how to turn your hips, right? And place your weight through those hips properly in your first couple of steps, it's, it makes all the difference. Like one of the things that I work on a ton with players is what I call an open hip start, right? So if you look at um, speed skaters and how they have to start, right there, they can't get up on their toes. So, so I'm, I'm not on the, the toe start team. I'm the opposite. I'm on the, that's kind of like, you know, one of these, like, you know, flash to start on your toes. No. And, and sure you can start on your toes, but um, the majority of the game, the more blade you can use, right. Or utilize the more control you're going to have. Right. So if you watch a speed skater start, they can't start on their toes, right. They have to use the full blade because it's so big. So if you can understand how to push that full blade because of, right. Again, that full weight transfer through the hip, set the hip open in the correct angle, you're going to get way more power than you would if you're slipping the blade underneath you, like in a walking motion, right? So that side to side through the hips is huge. Interesting. Interesting. So you're, I, yeah, I always think about it as starting on the toes, but uh, you know, and then, and then pushing through and kind of snapping the ankle, but you're, you're saying kind of the opposite of getting the whole blade on there and those, those quick starts to really drive power down and through the edges into the ice. Yeah. And when we, when we get to work together this summer, Pete, it's going to be awesome. Like I'm, I'm excited to work um, and in, in the fall, right. Um, work on this kind of stuff. Cause every time I work on it, it's like, it's an eye opener and it's really, it's nothing new, right. So it's not like this is a brand new technique. Like I said, it's really just taken from, from how speed skaters start. And, um, and again, it, it's rooted in efficiency, right. It's rooted in not wasting your steps, right. Cause any kind of slip underneath your body, any slip in the blade, is a wasted energy, right? It's like, if you think about, again, you think about a car, anytime the wheel spins and there's not traction, you've just wasted the power, right? That you're trying to put into the surface, right? Our surface is the ice, car surface is the road, right? Tire versus blade, right? So if the blade is going to bite into the ice, right? So, which is sometimes why, you know, the toe start can be useful, right? But the, if the blade can bite into an ice from, from into the ice from a more powerful part of the foot, which the toes aren't very powerful, right? They can do this, right? You guys can't see when we do the podcast, but you know, they can basically flex, right? Crunch, Right? But behind the toes are the ball of the foot, right? And you can put way more pressure into the ball of the foot than you can into your toes. So if you put more pressure into the ball of your foot, you can push out, drive out a lot further. And, and you can see these principles too in, in sprinting techniques as well, right? Those guys aren't starting on their toes. That would, <laughs> that would be pretty painful, right? Yeah. So, so if those guys starting on the ball of their foot, I'm taking all those, again, these techniques into account so that we're, again, we're getting the most power with them with the most efficiency too interesting well anybody that's listening to the podcast i recommend uh you check out christian's uh instagram page to uh to see these we'll put those in the notes and stuff but then you can you can visually see what we're what we're talking about right yeah, now. yeah. 
Um, and I'm excited to jump on the ice. Like you said, in, in Christian and I are going to be doing two camps together. One in my, my, uh, my area in Montana and Bozeman, Christian's coming in to, to work with a lot of my players, which will be awesome. And then I'm, I'm going to jump in with him and his players in Duluth this summer too. So we're going to do a little coaching exchange, which I'm really excited for. I've got one of my players, by the way, is planning on coming to Duluth, uh, older kid, really talented, big kid. Um, but he just needs to work on his skating stride. And I was like, I, I got a, I got a guy for you. So awesome. that'll you. be super fun. Let's, let's switch gears, Christian, and yeah. let's talk through, um, I'm really interested in your, your time in, in Russia, like mm-hmm. how, like how you got there, yeah. like what brought you there? Um, really like what your experience there was, was like in your takeaways and how that experience is translating into like your coaching philosophy now. And it really does. It's, it's had a huge impact. And I, obviously at the time I didn't, I wasn't thinking that. Right. So, so at Shattuck, when I was at Shattuck St. Mary's, um, I also was doing a lot of acting. I had gotten into theater there. That's a great old school. Right. And um, there's a beautiful theater and, and I had always kind of loved watching movies growing up and, and um, you know, both like comedic and dramatic, whatever. My, my, my grandfather loved um, kind of like, not old Western, but like Steve McQueen and Paul Newman. And he had that kind of stuff on at the house all the time. So I was kind of sucked into that world from an early age on top of all the hockey stuff. So when I got to Shattuck, I was like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll try some theater. So from there, that rolled into studying it, uh, acting in undergrad. And then from there, right, because of my injury, um, I kind of stepped away from the game. And I was like, all right, well, I'll put my, my, uh, my cards into the acting game. And I went to uh, to this master's program that Harvard uh, had at the time. I don't believe they have it anymore just because of um, just like timing and, and issues uh, with the program. But uh, the relationship of the program to the Moscow Art Theater was really special. So first, the first part of the program, the Russian teachers would come over to Harvard and they would work with us. I think they worked with us for like two months um, on ensemble principles so this is a huge part of my coaching now it's like how can you be the most efficient group right again this is that word i keep throwing out there efficiency right like most efficient most connected group possible right and this didn't even have to do anything with hockey but it was super clear to me i was like oh like this is ingrained in your system here like this is this is part of your culture like you're you're never thinking just as the individual you're always thinking as how how am I relating to the people around me? Right. So we yeah. would do all these crazy exercises. Like so almost sorry to interrupt you, but almost yeah. like, uh, like as you're saying that I'm, I'm thinking like you, you, you strike the word ensemble and you put team in there, right. Yeah. From like a hockey perspective. And how are you working with your teammates and your, you know, not necessarily your cast members, but like the guy, the people that are around you. So exactly. Very cool. I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, go, cool. go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you on that, but that no, just no, that's, right I love it. And that's, I think that's what, you know, a lot of people, uh, <laughs> you know, when they see that, they're like, oh, interesting. And, and uh, it is, it's, it was, it directly correlates. And if you think about it, you know, even down to the word, like you're like hockey players at the highest levels, you're performers, right? They're high performance athletes, but ultimately it's a performance, right? Like, you know, our favorite guy here in Chicago is Patrick Kane and his nickname is Showtime, right? Like he's putting <laughs> on a show, he's putting on a show. So like, what is he, what kinds of things are, is he doing within the framework of the game, right? His, his artwork is on the ice, right? It's like an actor's artwork is within the frame of whatever, whether it's film, you know, uh, TV, theater, doesn't really matter, right? It's like you're performing something, right? You're performing at your craft, right? So like all of our, as hockey players, right, we are performing within, again, the framework of the game, 
and and how are we relating to each other? So in Russia, we would do these crazy games like um, you know rhythm type games, like where you'd have to clap and 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 run at the same time, but in different rhythms. Like so, your your running rhythm and your clapping rhythm would have to be com- com- like the complete opposite, and it was it was super hard. And then you'd have to do it as a group. You'd have to everybody would have to be at the same pace, right? And then you'd have to uh, we would we would do this other one. I'm um, just like trying to remember super quickly where everybody would run together in a circle. So outside of the rhythm game and you'd all have to stop at the same time. Nobody could say anything. Nobody could like, Oh, we're all going to stop now. Like, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You'd have to feel the stop. And you could do this game for like half an hour waiting, (laughs) waiting for this thing to happen. And uh, just a great, if you think about a great team building exercise, right? It's the exact same concept. So stuff like that coupled with, this acrobatic training that like, I didn't really even know what I was getting into. Like when I, when I signed up for this master's program, like we're doing stuff where like partner exercises where like people are standing on each other's shoulders and like, we're doing like push-ups with like two or three people sitting on top of you. And you're like, you're like, no way it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But because of the way like that, everybody's like stacked on top of each other, it feels like, like you're really not pushing that much all kinds of like different weight transfer stuff and like uh, balancing principles that again, you don't realize can translate into athletic performance. But as soon as I walked away, I was like, Oh my God, this stuff is, this is amazing. And then I watched, I watched um, red army and then one other um, documentary. And I was like, Oh my God, it's the same exact stuff. This is the same stuff that Tarasov was teaching the players when they were, you know, when they were the red army team, it's incredible. It was so cool. Wild. So what, um, is there anything that the, the time spent in Moscow, um, like, were you thinking about how those movements and techniques and, and, and lessons learned there translated to hockey at the time, or was it more retrospectively like afterwards you're like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I it learned all this right and I can apply it to hockey. Yeah. It was like right after, right. When I got back, I was like, dude, this was, this is crazy. Like, I, I can't believe I got the chance to do this. Like so many, I think so many hockey players would just like, die to have that that opportunity to see how not just see but like actually train how those guys train and i'm sure some of the you know those principles are still in how maybe they they train their um international teams but they, it's not the same anymore right it's not like it's not this group right we know the positives and negatives of that whole um that whole outfit right of the red army team right they were kind of stuck <laughs> right they didn't really have a choice uh, yeah. but but there was a lot of positives, especially at the beginning of the trainings, uh, of how tight knit the group was because of all these incredible artistic exercises that they were going through that other athletes were not doing. And and you can actually see that, um, you know, sorry to, to to bring figure skating into a hockey podcast, but you can see that in um, the Russian figure skaters like now. I mean, they they the females especially they dominate the sport. Like the, the American figure skaters and the rest of the world, they're not even close. Like, and it's, it's because of this, this relationship of art to sport. And they, they are, they have a different perspective and approach to their craft that um, gives them more ownership of it, both physically and I think mentally too. And I think that's one of the things too, like um, coaching wise. So if we, if we bring all these concepts into um, how I coach, right. What kind of what kind of story are you going to tell on the ice? It sounds a little cheesy, right? But like, what's your like what's your ultimate goal? Like, we we get on the ice to have fun, right? We don't and um, we don't work hockey. We play hockey. Even even the the guys who make money playing the game, 
right? They're not, they don't, they don't work hockey, right? Guys, guys who work hockey are GMs, right? And coaches, like we work hockey, but when you're a player, you play hockey, right? So ultimately what's your goal, right? You just, you want to get on the ice and you want to be not just entertaining, but you're trying to perform at your best. So what's your relationship to the game, right? Are you going out there? Are you nervous, right? Like what, what's your mental state as you enter the game? So a lot of those things that I would take from, um, what I learned being a performer, right. And preparation and, and, uh, and not just like getting up for a game or getting up for a performance, but, but yeah, like what, what's your relationship to your craft, right? What are you trying to achieve every time you get on the ice? Stuff like that. Yeah. I love that. That's interesting. It's an interesting perspective that I think a lot of is a little unique that a lot of coaches don't look at it that way. Like looking at it from a mindset standpoint of like a performance versus a competition necessarily. So right. I like that. You know, the other thing as you're, as you're talking through these, the, the Russian movements and the things you did, it really reminded me of um, a lot of like trainings that I've sat, sat in and done with USA hockey. You know, there's a big, uh, the giant push of like developing athletes, not just hockey players and, you know, the fluidity of and agility of, of body movement off the ice and how that can translate into more success on the ice. And, you know, it struck me one, there's one time at one of the national camps that they showed a side-by-side video and I need to find this one. Cause it was so impactful. It was like, okay, here's, and I'm not even gonna say the name of the program, but it was like, here's a Detroit based top and triple a program 14 like i think it was 14 it was either 14 or 15 you um so like these are potentially division one athletes and like you know some of the top skaters for their birth years in the u.s and on the other side of the screen was just a regular club um or maybe it was like a higher end club like a more successful club in sweden and it was them doing the exact same exercises off the ice their dry land training of and it was like you know running jumping um, somersaulting was the most like flagrant where it was just like on one side, these like top hockey players in the U S like could barely do somersaults. And then on the other side, these Swedish kids look like they were like Olympic gymnasts, like tumbling all over the place. And, you know, and then you come into like, they showed right after that, uh, split screen of like certain drills on the ice, like lateral mobility and like, just like deceptive skating. And it was like mind blowing how much more, like fluid and efficient, these kids that could tumble off the ice were versus these kids who were like, you know, they're really good hockey players, but they're not as like, like physically literate as the kids from Sweden. And that's where like, there's this huge push with USA hockey now to develop physical literacy off the ice because it's going to translate into success on the ice. Yeah, dude, like this is, this is huge. And this is kind of where like, (laughs) there's there's a push from both sides like on this issue right so like you see on instagram right like you know stuff that people was like oh you'll never do that in the game okay well except now look in the game like like every time you turn on you know highlights from the night before you're like holy cow that guy (laughs) just did that right it's because the guys who are now in the game are the guys you just explained are guys who whether they grew up specializing early or not they're incredibly physically literate athletes right um, I just listened to a podcast that's that is an incredible podcast. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's it's all about like how your your neurons and neuroscience of of learning body movements. This one episode and like it, anytime you're learning something new, your adrenaline spikes, and that's why like you get frustrated, right? And one of the fastest ways to 
not only just learn something new body movement wise is to get your, I think it's called the limbic system, which is like the, the balance between your ears. And I'm, forgive me if I'm completely wrong there. Anybody listening who's a neuroscientist or who's good at that knows all that stuff, but getting your balance, getting off balance, you're going to learn it. Like there's some ridiculous, like 10 times faster, right? Because of all of the hormones that are fired up as a result. So the study or the, the video you just mentioned, like is a perfect example of when I teach these kids, like, like I call it a butterfly push. It's like what you would see a goalie do right side to side lateral push, where you push with one leg, you load the leg up as much as you can and you push into slide on your knees. Right. So you go knee down, knee down, and then stand up. So tons of coaches are like, Oh, why would you do that? That's totally pointless. You'll never do it in the game. Okay. Well, how many times do you get hit and you need to, to catch a balance, your, your core, if how many kids are on the ice, we're like, sure, they can move their legs. They can stick handle. As soon as you touch them, they're totally, they're not strong in the middle of their body. So if the middle of your body is a mess and you have no balance and, and everything in between your ears is like a complete wash, it doesn't matter. Right. It really yeah. doesn't make any difference. So um, it's huge. What that, that whole concept you just mentioned and how it's so important to push our athletes uh, whether they're hockey players or not out of their comfort zones, specifically with what you just said, like doing movement patterns that aren't normal. Yeah. I love it. Like uh, I've had like some of my buddy hockey buddies, like jokingly make fun of me. Cause I'm always, we always joke that like jumping is the key to success. <laughs> Cause like <laughs> I, I do like a lot of jumping in yeah. my, my elevated skills clinics. Like we'll do something, but they'll like have to jump over an obstacle while we're doing it and like in lots of different ways and some of the you know like my buddies that are a little more old school are like well that's really silly to have your guys jumping over bumpers or tires or whatever like jumping and then ripping into a backwards crossover right afterwards and i'm like yeah like they're not going to be jumping over guys that often in games right but it's because and my whole concept especially with my little guy that's like five yeah they well one they just love jumping over yeah but two like like if they can jump and land and keep striding, like that, that balance that they learn, I think is huge versus just a kid who can, can skate around. And so like the last couple of seasons, like the last two or three years, I've been incorporating jumping. Like, like if I'm running, you know, 10 drills, yeah. I bet I've got jumping in six of those 10 drills um, at, at all ages, like four and five year olds, but also like, like college players that I was working with, like my black aces club, like these D you know, these NCAA players and, and ACHA players, like I do it with them too. Cause they're like, this is weird. I feel off balance and stuff, but then you do it a few times and you get it. So that makes sense. Like from a, the neuro, uh, you know, the neurology way of, yeah. of what you're talking about, about that learning. Um, I've never thought about that way, but that's an interesting thing. Cause I just think, I just think getting off balance forces you to figure out how to be on balance. <laughs> you're in a, That's according to this podcast, you're exactly right. And like, that's, that's, that's how we, we learn like is by being literally by being pushed to do these uncomfortable things. Like we all say it all the time, right? It's just like, like you said, we're trying, we're still trying to push through this like old school mindset. Oh, that's, oh, that's not useful. You're, you're not going to learn anything that way. Well, actually the science shows, yes, you are. <laughs> so um, uh, to me, so for, for me, this like uh, a nice transition for me is that like you, the, the game may in some ways be a very mental game, but we don't play the game with our brains. That's again, that's the coach's job. If you want to play a game with your brain, go play chess. Like that's, that's not what we're doing. So, so um, I'm all for the like brain training and I'm all for like tactics training and like all that stuff, but you can't 
play the game unless you move well. <laughs> like, so if you're not an elite mover, it doesn't matter how good your brain is. Then you, then you can be a great coach. Like if you, if you can understand and think the game before anybody else, but you're a crap mover, like, you know, then great. You'll be awesome behind the bench. And we need more guys like that. We need guys who can think ahead of the game and teach the players, Hey, here's how you, here's where you want to be wet. Fantastic. But Right. Um, I think some guys get spoiled. Right. Um, some coaches get spoiled who only work with maybe pro guys or elite guys who already have that in their system. Right. They already they've already been developing that because they were they have genetics or or maybe as kids, they got on their bike or their skateboard or whatever. And they tested that system really, really early. And, and they maybe they they're super, you know, um, risk takers or high risk takers. And, you know, they, they broke their arm or, you know, you know, whatever fell on their head a couple of times when they were a kid doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And so they, they understand their body starts to understand the limits of their balance, right. Really early. So those coaches get spoiled and they're like, Oh, we only got to do game situations. Well, yes. Like ultimately if, if we're not teaching the kids how to play the game, you're really wasting your time. Right. We're not just teaching kids how to stick handle through cones. We want to, we want the kids to translate their skills to the game but if, you, if the kids are not moving well, especially now, like, like what's the biggest difference in the game now? Everybody's going to say it, right? The biggest difference from now and even just 10 years ago, right? Just look at the 2010 Stanley Cup, like, versus, you know, last year's Stanley Cup. Like, holy cow, the speed and, and the way that the guys are moving as a whole, the team as a whole, not just the puck movement, not the systems, it's the, it's the athletes, Right? It's the way they are moving. And some of that has to do with technology, equipment changes, right? But most of it has to do with, again, not just skating, but movement and these guys being incredible, physically literate human beings. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then you get guys like me that are slow of foot and slow of mind that are coaching. Trust <laughs> no. me in a tough spot. <laughs> um, well, Christian, let's, let's talk about uh, GPS. So like yeah. you, you were uh, coaching various different youth levels in a couple spots, like I had mentioned, Chicago, Dallas, uh, over in Europe for a little while. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like you've kind of given up being a bench coach and are more like the skills, the skating coach, like what everything we've been talking about. So tell us a little bit about how that transition took place and what, you know, GPS is what you do with these, these, uh, yeah. Just give us the rundown on what GPS is. Absolutely. I will give a shout out to my high school team that I still coach because I do coach my high school team here at Evanston High School. There. Oh, good. nice. I didn't realize that. Yes, I still coach uh, a little bit of stuff, but it's getting harder and harder because I have so much time on the ice and I'm wiped out. I get exhausted. But yeah, so um, yeah, I started, I started on the bench just because at the time, right, like, um, you know, when I had finished my grad degree, I didn't know, you know, how, to, how do I get started? This is back in, oh my God, 2011. Yeah, it's like almost 10 years ago, right? Um, so uh, right when I finished, I was like, okay, you know, I'll just coach some youth hockey to get back into the game, right? Because like I said, I'd been out of it for, you know, three, four years where I'd just been doing it, you know, kind of recreationally for fun because I was so, um, you know, I was so down about it. And that's, there's another good story. Probably don't have time uh, for the podcast, but um, yeah, slowly kind of like connected the dots to people um, recognizing uh, that I was a pretty good skater. Like when I would coach the kids, they'd be like, wow, you can really move. And I was like, yeah, you know, my dad was a speed skater, blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, I started to coach these kids power skating clinics and it would just like it just went from one to the other and and yes again as you mentioned i mentioned i worked with pro ambitions for many years um great guys over there uh had a good experience with them and then um 
was just in a transitional period, kind of like, where are we going to go? I got to live over um, in the UK because my wife was studying over there um, at Oxford for a few years. And I got to coach um, in England, which is like, what a hockey market. That's a, that's a, it's an interesting place to try to try to make a, a hockey life. They, they have a troubled relationship with the game, but it's growing. It's definitely growing. And I got to do some clinics in Germany and Austria, Slovakia, which was just an amazing experience, right. To like, see how kids in different countries learn, how they approach the game, um, you know, how they come to the rink, just like all these different aspects of, of, uh, of teaching the game. And, uh, and yeah, it just kind of took off. And when I started GPS here in Chicago and I think it was 2017. Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of like through what all the stuff that I had learned and, and done up until, until that point into, uh, my own work here started with like one-on-one lessons and, and did like one camp a year. And now I'm at like nine, I think <laughs> so. So plus like all kinds of like small groups and, and drop-in skills and everything, like everything you could possibly do. And uh, it's almost now too much for me to handle just by myself. So it's crazy. I love it. I love it. I can, I, uh, I, I feel your pain, man. It's, yep, uh, exactly. <laughs> no, that's awesome. It, it's, I love, yeah, well, it looks, uh, you know, I'm excited. Like I said, get, I'm excited to get on the ice. Cause what I see from what you've been doing, it, it's some interesting stuff. It's, it's different than, than I coach. And uh, I'm the kind of guy that I think different, from what I do is good. Like I'm always looking to, to learn from guys that do things differently than, than, than I do. And so like I can, if I'm, if I'm always on the ice or just in life with people that look at life and hockey and everything, the exact same way as me, like, I, I feel like you get stagnant. And so that's why I'm really excited to work with you, Christian, because I think you and I come from very different backgrounds and we coach very differently. Um, and I mean that in a good way. Like, I'm really excited to see what you do with your athletes and, and, and try to steal some info from you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we get better. Right. It's like, it's, there's no such thing as stealing in, in coaching and in sports at all. Right. And that's in anything, right. Um, you know, it's like when you're trying to be creative, right. I think that's always, that's the word, right. It's like creative hockey players, creative individuals, right. It's like you, you, you can't just, it's, there's really no such thing as like original creativity, right. We're always learning from, like the, the pieces and, and the people around us and all the things that influence us. Yeah. So if you're, if you're stagnant and you're not learning from as many coaches and as many people, and this goes especially for players, if you're only learning from one coach, you're really just, you're really, you're, you're stunting your growth. Right. And I tell my players all the time, please don't just train with me. You need to, you need to try to work with as many coaches as possible because your hockey career is only so long and you don't know when it could end. Like that's one of the things I learned very quickly was, I knew I wasn't going to play pro. Like I said, I'm a small guy. Um, I wasn't super good. I was super fast, but I wasn't super good. So um, my experiences as a coach are built off of what went right and what went wrong with my playing. Um, and and uh, also um, good coaching experiences, like learning from coaches when I was a player and bad ones too. It's like you can learn just as much from from a coach, at least looking back on it. Maybe that was a little bit too harsh or too tough on you and you – um, you maybe didn't really have as much growth as you wanted, but looking back on those uh, experiences, I still learned something from those. Right. And, uh, and nowadays, um, you know, we have a different relationship uh, coaches to players than maybe when you and I played, but um, yeah, there's never, there's never too much. You can never learn from too many coaches. So I tell players, I tell parents, please put your kids out to as many different um, avenues of learning as possible. For sure. I agree with you there. Well, Christian, I think we're, we're kind of coming up on our time here. I think yep. it's time to, to wrap things up. Uh, usually when we, when we wrap this up, 
you know, I want to, I want you to leave the listeners with a little bit of advice. So let's, uh, let's start with the players that are listening. If there's any young uh, players that are aspiring to reach higher levels, whatever that level may be, they want to go from like the B team to the A or the A to the double A, the double A to the triple A or to prep or to juniors or college or whatever, a player that's looking to is aspiring to reach higher levels. What kind of advice would you extend to that player? Yeah. So this is kind of like what I was just saying, but like, it's all, it's all kind of in the same vein. So I, when I was a player, I got, <laughs> I got two hardest worker awards, right? When I was, uh, this is before I got to Shattuck. Um, I was, you know, hardest worker on a couple of different teams. And um, I ended up hating that phrase, right? Because it's, <laughs> it's very, it's very uh, loaded and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So um, I always say to my players, don't work hard, right? Play the game right? Play and, and focus on play, push yourself, get out of your comfort zone. Okay. And discipline is the word that I use. Be disciplined, be persistent, right. And be resilient. Those are like, to me, those are way more um, loaded words in a good way than work hard. Work hard can mean something different to different people. And it's, it's way too general, right? It's far too general to say, and uh, it can, it can actually end up making a worse skater because you don't want to work hard skating. The, the, the beautiful part of our game is the surface upon which we play and then and the, the tools we use to play it, right? So the blades, right? The two blades on your feet and the blade at the end of your stick, right? Completely different than any other game there is in, in the world. So if we, if you want to be the best at your game, right, you have to manipulate those tools correctly. And if you're working too hard to manipulate those tools, you're just going to be wasting your time. So um, be disciplined, but make work play. Cause remember, even if you're at the highest level and you get paid for it, you're still playing hockey. So enjoy it. Right. And don't be afraid of failure. I think that's the last one I would say to you is like, you can't be afraid to fail. Um, and it's really easy, right. If you have a coach that's a little bit too tough in your ears or, or has given you um, tough feedback, right. Um, there is such feedback is good, tough love from a coach. But um, if you have a coach or, or maybe um, even a parent or a teammate that's, that's coming down a little bit hard on you, you got to remember you learn from failure. And it's all about your, our response to getting things wrong that are going to help us go right, right? So don't let the failures be final. Just, just learn from them and, uh, and enjoy that process. The enjoy the process of screwing up because that's how you're going to get better. Perfect. I know that's solid advice for the, the players and parents that are listening here. Uh, last question for you, Christian. Let's let's switch gears to the coaches. Any advice for uh, youth hockey coaches out there in regards to um, player development or specific or skating uh, development too? Yeah. So um, biggest thing I see is like like I said, kind of earlier in the podcast, like um, especially if, if you're a skating coach, and even if you're not, like I get so many coach coaches who are not skating coaches ask me, "What should my guys work on?" just think about mobility. Like, like I said, like for the little guys, the game parents, coaches, players can get sucked into like might hockey squirt hockey, where there's so much space on the ice. Even if they're like playing cross ice, there's still with the little guys, tons of space on the ice. The game doesn't become that, right? The game becomes one, two, three pass, right? Like bam, 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 quick play, bam, 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 quick hit. Right. It's like everything becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. So the more, 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 excuse me, more mobile you are, right. The easier it's going to be to make decisions in those tight areas. So if you're just learning the game in straight lines, that's all that your players are going to do. So teach your players on the wall, teach your players in not just small area games, but like force them to do edge work in like tight spaces. 
right? Force them to do stops and starts in a small space and then explode to get that space out. So like I'll do a lot of drills where there's a lot of variation where it's like small, 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 long, right? Changes of rhythms because that's the game. The game isn't like the same pace all the time, right? The pace changes, the rhythm changes, and you have to adapt to it. So always, always be looking at different kinds of ways to keep your kids mobile, not just like technically sound. I love it. That's great advice for the coaches out there. You become the better the skater you are, the 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 more likely you're going to be a good hockey player too. Yep. So you can't you can't have one without the other. So, uh, well, Christian, I think that's going to do it for us today. I really appreciate you coming on. It was it was really uh, enjoyable learning about your your background and, and some of your your philosophies with your coaching. So, thank you so much for sharing that with our um, with our audience. Where if anybody's interested in, in asking questions or checking out where and when you're doing camps and clinics and stuff like that, how can people find you? Yeah, so the easiest way to, to look me up is you just go to gpshockeyschool.com. You can look up my last name too, Grunna. It's like we're literally the only Grunnas in the world that we know of. So uh, <laughs> you can look that one up, but it's hard on a podcast. I don't need to spell it out for you. So if you just look up GPS Hockey School, it's the first one that comes up. And uh, yeah, website, uh, you'll find all our camps, clinics, and you can email me from there or follow uh, on Instagram too. I made it pretty easy. If you just look up power skating, it's usually one of the first ones that comes up. It's just power underscore skating. So lots there too. Easy, easy. Cool. Well, Christian, thanks for coming on, man. Christian Grunna. Last thing before we let you go, can you give us a, a let's go to sign us off for the day? Let's go. All right, man. Awesome, Christian. Thank you so much, buddy. Well, uh, I can't wait to skate with you this summer. And with that, we're going to wrap her up. Thanks, guys. Huge thank you to Christian Grana for coming on the show. It was a pleasure talking with you, Christian. I'm really excited to jump on the ice with you, get to see GPS power skating in person. But before we go into all of that, let's, Danny, let's jump into the three stars of the night. Why don't you kick this off? What do you have? For sure. And we got to talk about that. The the camp you guys are, are throwing together. I wish my yeah. kids were so they could join it. Um, maybe we'll jump into that right here after the three stars, but let's do it. Um, Third star, I'll do the third star and I'll kick it to you for, for two and one. Uh, I was bummed I couldn't be a part of this interview. Um, actually been trying to connect with coach forever. So hopefully we'll, we'll get that down the line here. But just his idea, like his background. So third star is, is honestly his background in the game and where he's been all over the place, right? From power skating to speed skating to Russia, to the U.S. Like, and now living in Chicago and, and doing stuff there. And I've talked to a few of his players are actually Project Hockey members and they love him. Like they rave about him. And so... It's uh, it's unique and it's it's something that the game needs. Like it doesn't always have to be this guy who played in the NHL for 35 years to, to come and coach. Like it's great, that's awesome. But you know, sometimes it's it's good to get outside influences and, and different things, whether it's ballet or power skating slash speed skating, and it's it's cool. So third star, just just the background and the knowledge he brings to the game is something that's really helped leaving this game better than than he found it. So super pumped. What do you got for uh, stars two and one? Absolutely. I, I agree with that one on that one, uh, Danny. But the second star for me is I'm going to tie kind of two thoughts together on this one. Second star is you know, we started touching in the conversation on um, not only the importance of mobility, which I think is huge because a lot of guys just think about like, I want to be so strong and stuff. But I think Christian's whole whole like success is built on this weight shift and transitional speed on the edges. And, you know, we started kind of geeking out on, on some of his thoughts on exactly what, you know, like starting on your toes versus starting flat footed. 
um, you know, on the, on the, the, the kind of the length of the steel and the different aspects of why one versus the other is, is more important. And that's why I'm excited to get on the ice with him to see kind of what some of his thoughts are on this weight shift and edge control and how you can use your, you know, like full control of your body in order to translate down into your skate blade for even, you know, more elusive maneuvers and more power transfer into your strides. So I think that having an open mind in the way that you're using your body to skate is, is an important thing. And I think that's like, for me, that's what's super interesting on Christian is that he's drawing from all sorts of different disciplines. Like you mentioned, Danny, that right. you know, he's taking those pieces of knowledge from other sports or, or other disciplines and putting that into, into his skating mechanics. And some of it's not traditional and some of it I think is really interesting. So that's my second takeaway. I'd highly encourage people to check out his, his Instagram page and see what he's doing. Cause it's, it is a little bit different and I like it. Different is good. Um, first star of the night. This was an interesting point. We probably should have talked about this more, but he brought up something that was really interesting and, and it was about sport and art relationship and essentially like how body movement and performance with creativity is so important and how that like i've never thought about the game of hockey as like a pure like artful performance um but it is right like you're putting on a show sure. like he mentioned even like patrick kane like his nickname is showtime because he's like putting on such a show for his audience and you know it the, the way he described it like the relationship between arts and performance and sport is so much more than like it's just a concept that i've never really thought about as a coach or as a player and stuff so i think that's a it's a again christian is an interesting guy because he looks at the game differently than probably i do and a lot of people do and and that is super intriguing to me and in his his like the way he wraps his head around the relationship of art and sport that and translating that down to like everything USA hockey talks about is like building creativity in the game, creativity with the puck and the plays and like not coaching robots out there on the ice, but like allowing players to have the freedom and the creativity to go out there and like put on a show and experiment with what they can do in order to tap into levels that like they might not otherwise reach if they're not playing with that creativity. And so, um, you know, we, it was a small little thing that we touched on. I wish we would have talked about it more in retrospect, but that, that creativity and that performance piece of it is, uh, is a really cool concept that I want to explore more. So for me, that's, that's our three stars for the night. What do you, what do you say, Danny? You got any other, other thoughts? Uh, I mean, I love that idea. Like whoever puts on the best show usually wins a game. Right. And so the, like translating that and doing different things. And so I'm excited for you to go up and, and up to Duluth, um, best hockey state in the country. Minnesota excited for you to get up there and it's, it's up in Duluth, right? Your camp. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be, he's, he's doing a, he's, it's called his points North camp. He does it every year up in Duluth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fortunate enough. I'm going to join Christian on the ice for, I believe it's a, it's either a four or five day camp. I'm going to join him on the ice for two days um, cool. of that, that kind of at the end of his camp. And then um, I'm going to stick around. It's, it, it kind of bookends right before the, uh, USA hockey level five coaching clinic up in Duluth. So as yeah. of right now, I, I think I'm going to be working, uh, like I've already done my level five, but I think I'm going to be working on the, on the, you know, behind the curtain of the level five clinic. So I'll stick around town there for a little bit. So excited to work with Christian. And then he's actually going to come out to Bozeman out to Montana this uh, next preseason in September, kind of doing like a little coaching exchange, which Danny, you and I need to do that too. We need to do a, uh, a project hockey, elevated hockey coaching exchange, get you out to Montana sure. and, get me to Mankato and 
Absolutely. I'm a little jealous of this. You know, I feel like you're going behind my back uh, coaching with all these people, but uh, no, it's, uh, it's all good. And I think, I, I think that's the best thing, right? Like if you can get to somewhere with somebody you've never ever coached with and learn from them, like you're going to pick something up and then likewise. Right. And so that's, that's awesome. I'm excited to hear what you think and um, learn from, from whatever you pick out. So perfect. Cool, man. Well, I think that's all I've got. I, Christian, thank you again for joining us on the show. It was, a, it was a pleasure talking with you. I look forward to doing it again and getting on the ice with you. Uh, look forward to working with your players and seeing what, what you do with my players as well. And uh, for anyone that's interested in reaching Christian, we'll have the contact notes uh, or contact info in the notes. I uh, highly encourage you to check out his Instagram page, check out his website, try to get on the ice with him, see what, see what his, uh, his crazy uh, techniques are all about. So yeah. Um, Danny, before we sign off, anything, what's going on in the world of project hockey? You got anything else exciting? You're just blowing up like normal, just <laughs> teach kids how to be we'll better just, people, be better hockey players. To get better. We're doing, we're doing a lot of really cool things with associations right now. So a lot of associations like out East are kind of already picking teams and, and doing that stuff. And they're setting their kids up with, with project hockey all summer long. And a lot of teams, you know, in the Midwest and out West are, you know, moving more towards picking teams around here in the fall. And, they're setting their association up to have project hockey all year. And so when, when associations sign up, we cut them a, a huge deal, uh, which is not a good business decision, but it's good for the kids and it's good for the associations. And so if there are, there are associations listening and you, and you want to jump on board and get better, we, we partnered with over 80 youth hockey associations already. And so shoot us, uh, shoot us an email and shoot me an email, Danny at project And let's make sure your kids are doing the work and getting better. So, before you do that, make sure you hit the like button, smash that thing and give us some love. And we're excited for a few guests that we have to come. And if you got any suggestions or anybody listening to this wants to come on and, and talk hockey, we'd, we'd love to have you. So shoot us a, an email as well. So let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.